The first COVID pill is here, plus the other positive developments on the Omicron front coming before Christmas. Plus, President Biden punched student loan repayments at least another 90 days. And love, hate, eight, Christmas Eve edition. Thursday, need to know. Let's go. Good morning, everybody. This is Cheddar's Need to Know podcast for December 23rd. I am Carlo Versano here once again with Baker Machado. Baker. Oh, Lord. How are you? Oh, oh Lord, (laughs) indeed, Carlo. I think that is basically the the phrase of choice for most people over the course of the last little while. Um, Either way, happy Festivus to you. It is a very big day, Festivus, for the rest of us. (laughs) Um, Big news here at our house. Uh, I tested once again a rapid test yesterday. Tested negative, which makes me love my Moderna vaccine even more, Carlo. Uh, The doctor (laughs) said to me yesterday, I likely will be able to break free tomorrow, which will be very exciting for me to at least get some fresh air and walk past at least farther past my mailbox than I have all week. Oh, that's fantastic, Baker. I am happy to hear that. Um, Over here, my update is uh, I am at the letting Jesus take the wheel phase of of the year here. My my Christmas is in peril. I have uh, two family members in the COVID protocol here. Oh, Um, no. I I have no idea whether I'm going on that. You know, I booked this vacation to the Caribbean in a week. I have no idea if we're going on that trip or not. Oh, God. Uh, And then to make, to compound everything, Franny has started teething. So she is just, uh, oh, gosh. The poor thing is just. It's just I'm like I'm I'm dying. Fran, poor thing is just so she's so miserable, and I feel so terrible for her. But um, right, because you can't do anything. Yeah, it's you know it's crazy, right? Because when you become a parent, they 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 tell you about this, um, but you don't really understand it until you become a parent. But it's like when you have when your child like is in pain, it's such this like visceral reaction. Like you want to help, you want to like want to do something. You just want to. You want to absorb the pain yourself. I've never actually felt that before. It's really, um, it's really something. I mean, I know every parent out there is like, "Yeah, no kidding, Carlo. Welcome to the big leagues." <laughs> but it's 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 a remarkable feeling when the first time it happens, and that's just sort of how I felt. But anyway, Jesus is taking the wheel, and uh, we're gonna yes. get through the rest of this year, come hell or high water, right? Yes, we will indeed. And with that uh, being said, Carlo, let's dive into the headlines. And there is some good news today on the Omicron front ahead of Christmas. Maybe a Christmas miracle almost here. Three (laughs) separate research teams in South Africa, Scotland and England have now found that Omicron infections result in significantly milder illness than the other COVID variants so far. The risk of hospitalization appears to be anywhere from two-thirds to 80% lower with Omicron, that according to separate studies out there. But still, hospitalizations are expected to increase just by virtue of how incredibly contagious this variant is. And that's sort of what they said in this research here, Carlo. It is way more contagious than even Delta, but the the risks and chances of you being hospitalized much lower. But they did basically uh, add a caveat to this, that most of this research was done at the early part of the Omicron variant. Nobody knows if, if, if the research has changed as Omicron continues to spread. But either way, good news here. By the way, this comes on the heels of South Africa, not just reporting a plateau in in cases, they're actually now seeing a dip in cases, which is also a pretty positive outlook as well. 
Yeah, what we've been saying, right? Hot and fast. Uh, you know, it's crazy, right? We are witnessing what may well end up being the fastest spreading pathogen I think anybody has ever seen. This thing is already um, as contagious, I think, if not more contagious than the measles. Um, it's just like it's awe-inspiring kind of in, in sort of like a weird way when you think about it, right? Like something that didn't even exist until a few weeks ago now just upending the entire world Everything. once again. It's just it's just I, it's, I don't know. I think it's like Mother Nature always has plans and uh, we think that we humans think that we're in control we think that we're walking around on this big rock like we own the place uh, and every once in a while we're reminded that we really aren't we really don't um, but the big question here uh, I'll take my philosophy hat off for a second the big question <laughs> I think is what what's gonna happen and not to not to be a Debbie Downer again because this is good news I think what we're seeing um, on all fronts here with Omicron but I'm curious now what's gonna happen when this variant starts ripping through these countries with low or ineffective of yep, um, vaccine that's the question look at look look at china right i mean what happens when this this thing hasn't really hit china yet uh at least in a, a significant way I, who knows right because they're it's so hard to tell what what happens in that country but you know they use vaccines that they made that the chinese government made that have been shown to be effectively worthless against this variant so uh, you may see another um you know real covid disaster in that country in the coming weeks and months not to mention uh a, a possibly another supply chain breakdown, right? What happens if all those factories have to close again? Um, I, that's going to be a... That, and that's don't forget, China has China has the Olympic scene another month or so. And again, this is only oh, yeah. Omicron. The expectation, again, is future variants will continue to mutate. Is the expectation here that every variant after, you know, subsequently next is going to be more contagious than Omicron? Is that basically where we're go basically going to... Um, but the, if anything, it has also shown us that the vaccines and the therapeutics that are on the market have been able to at least mitigate some of the most severe um, parts of, of, of the disease, which I think is also really impressive so far, especially given the fact that a lot of these companies like Pfizer and Moderna said that they would have an Omicron specific uh, vaccine within the early parts of mm -hmm. next year as well. And on the uh, on, on the therapeutic front, some even better news here coming from Pfizer, the FDA approving that first pill to treat COVID, adding a new uh, and effective tool to the national toolbox of vaccines and treatments. Uh, it's Pfizer's Plaxovid. It is now authorized for any high-risk patient over the age of 12 who weighs at least 88 pounds and has tested positive for COVID. Uh, they can get a three-pill, twice-a-day, five-day treatment course uh, via prescription. Uh, Albert Borla, the CEO of Pfizer, had already indicated, uh, based on the fact that these these pills have basically been sitting in like a supply warehouse for the last yeah. few weeks, it was just basically waiting for the government to give it final approval. But Albert Borla basically said these now basically are shipped and available now for doctors to start prescribing to patients. And it should be we should note this is for if you've already tested positive and you're basically about to be hospitalized for COVID nineteen. This basically brings down the severe symptoms of what you would be having. Uh, with this. The hard part is, is you basically have to get it prescribed uh, within five days of symptom ons uh, of, of onset of your symptoms here. So that's the most important part. If you're starting to feel the symptoms, yep. immediately go get checked out and get this pill if you can.
if not for this Omicron wave, I would have said that this is the moment that the pandemic is effectively over and becomes endemic, right? Because if you think about it, if Omicron is 80% less likely to send you to the hospital, which is what these researchers in, uh, I think, Scotland said, and then there's a pill that reduces that risk by another 89, 90%, that's like really, you know, that is Mm -hmm. serious risk mitigation there. Now, the problem is, as you said, right, the problem with these antiviral pills is that they're most effective at stopping the worst illness the sooner that they're taken after diagnosis. Correct. Meaning, of course, that you have to catch the infection very early, which, of course, comes back to testing, right? It all comes back to testing. If you can't if you can't test, uh, it, you know, you have to you have to get the you have to basically self-diagnose, then go to the doctor or call the doctor, get the prescription, get the actual pill in hand. And you got to do that with all in the first couple or first few days. Um but still, I mean, a remarkable. Th- the one question I have about Paxlovid, and I, I, I should know the answer to that, and this and I don't, is whether the uh, Pfizer's lifting their patent on it. Because this, this is a pill that they need to be shipping out around the world. they got to be making this thing in sub-Saharan Africa, in India, in China. Right, um, a generic I, I, I version, I don't know. yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they have, Carlo, at least according to the reports that I've been reading so far, we should note uh, Joe Biden has said that the government is going to uh, uh, get millions of doses of these. And the hope is, is that this would be free uh, and basically covered by the government if you need it. Uh, but to an earlier point you made, basically us now into the endemic phase of all of this, I mean, look, COVID is not going anywhere. It's basically going to be a part of our lives for the foreseeable future. And and if you haven't tested positive for COVID, the chances of you likely testing positive at some point in your life are pretty high. But the point in all of these therapeutics, these vaccines and these pills is to reduce the stress on hospitals. And so this pill in particular, for those that are not vaccinated, the millions of Americans that refuse to get the vaccine, this is a tool out there that will that at least will be available to them to take to at least uh, reduce the stress and the burdens on hospitals, which at the end of the day is really all we really need here, Carlo, given the fact that you still can catch the flu, you can still catch other sorts of pathogens out there, but the, the goal at the end of the day is to reduce your risk of death and hospitalization. Well, right. And Paxlovid is, I mean, think of it as the Tamiflu of COVID, right? It's going to be this major step towards normalcy because if you don't have to, if you don't have to worry about going to the hospital, COVID really is just the flu, right? Even for the right. unvaccinated. And that's the key. And there's, I think, I'm hoping that a lot of the people who have resisted the vaccines will be able to uh, get this pill if and when, um, to your point, they get they get infected with this thing. And by the way, it took, and what- uh, yeah, go ahead. I was just, I was just going to say one other quick thing. And by the way, the other thing that's interesting is you have to take this in, uh, in addition to an HIV drug, which, which is big. But in, ter- in terms of the marvel of science here, I just want to say one quick yeah. note on this, given the fact that, you know, uh, um, uh, I, I've, I've known a lot of people who have lost a lot of close loved ones during the HIV, uh, you know, epidemic in the 80s and the 90s. It took forever to create HIV drugs to, to combat what happened back in the 80s and 90s. It took 18 months to create this antiviral pill for, for yeah, COVID-19. It's amazing. It, it took 20 plus years to create a lot of the drugs and therapeutics out there to combat HIV. Um, so this is it's sort of a marvel of science in terms of what they've been able to create here. Yeah, you got to hand it to Pfizer, man. Pfizer has been just on really top impressive. of this. From, from really, just a really impressive company. Yeah, absolutely. Meanwhile, uh, let's talk about what's happening in Washington. Big news here from the White House. They're extending that pause on federal student loan payments now until May of next year. Those payments were set to restart on February the 1st. 
But President Biden pointed to the new COVID wave as the reason for the extension here. Now, many progressives have been pressuring the president to either keep extending that moratorium or cancel debt altogether. Biden had campaigned on a blanket promise to cancel at least $10,000 of debt per borrower, but is so far focused on instead just uh, pre-existing loan forgiveness programs. Um, this was heralded by Chuck Schumer and, and uh, Elizabeth Warren yesterday. We should note they've been asking for $50,000 worth of canceled student loan payments. Uh, but you also have to think, Carlo, a lot of these people who are paying on average, I think the average student loan monthly payment is about $400 a month. That has been money that has been been allocated to other parts of people's budgets over the course of two years right. because they haven't had to pay it whatsoever. And so for a lot of these people who are still just basically end making ends meet just to basically survive during this entire situation, having to put that $400 back towards their student loan payments was going to be an incredibly difficult scenario for a lot of Americans out there. Yeah, it's, it, it's a real burden. I mean, myself included, right? I'm, I'm one of these. Uh, I, I've been on this moratorium now for a couple of years. Um, the thing with, with student loans, right? There, there is a real moral hazard, I think, to just canceling student loan debt outright, even though, again, I would be personally in favor of Biden doing it because I have, I think, something like $50,000 in debt from grad school that I probably won't ever pay off unless I really hit it big time. Um, but, you know, remember, uh, over half of the debt out there is held by graduate degree holders, people like me. And only 14 percent of adults in America hold graduate degrees. So I actually don't think the taxpayers should be on the hook to help people like me out. Right. I don't I don't. It's one point uh, seven trillion dollars of debt, Carlo. We and as Americans have more debt tied to our student loan payments than we have in credit card debt. That just goes to right. show how much of that of a big problem that is. Well, well, don't get me wrong. The student the student debt crisis is legit, and it is something that needs to be uh, uh, addressed. But the problem with just cancel, like doing like a blanket cancellation, first of all, it lets colleges off the hook for this huge inflation that we've seen in tuition over the last couple of decades. I was just looking the other day, the University of Richmond uh, in Virginia, where I went, $60,000 in tuition for this wow. coming year. It was it was 30000 when I went, and that was a lot wow. then. Um, I mean, have, is, is there any other durable good or service that you use that has doubled in price in 20 years, even though the actual outcome, the thing that you're getting at the end of the day is precisely the same. It's a, it, That's the thing that I think we need to, to focus on. So if I were the president, I mean, I would focus on ways to forward looking ways to address this the student debt issue. I don't know. I mean, could you do an executive order on interest rates? Why? Right. Why are, you know, Becky, Becky pay something like 10 percent interest on her student loans. It's crazy. Oh, my God. Um, that is insane. Or, yeah, I mean, because she has to do it through private, uh, you know, through private banks because she's not an American right. citizen. So they, that's how they they bamboozle her there. Um, or is you know, is there a way? Here's what I would do if I were president: I would figure out a way to force colleges to refund students out of their endowments for some of the worthless degrees that they've been printing. Right? You oh, pay, sure. Make kids pay sixty thousand dollars a year to get a degree in you know, uh, French English? literature. Like that's yeah, English. I mean, even political science or journalism. I don't know. It's like that that. That's the focus that I think that, you know, the issue is that student debt has just become way too available to way too many young and inexperienced borrowers. And that's a problem that needs a solution. I don't know if just like canceling a bunch of it uh, well, solves that solution. The, the flip solves side to all of this is I, I, I also think this is a, a problem specific to our generation because it's interesting, Carlo, the generation below us, the Gen Z generation and even the generation below that 
Uh, I don't think I, I'm starting to wonder if a lot of people realize it's it's not even worth it to go to college at this point because mm. they can go through trade programs, internships, all these other sorts of things to get to to work towards their degree. I mean, some people at Google don't even go to college. They basically just start as coders and work their yeah. way up through Silicon Valley. And so I'm, I'm, I'm I worry that the pressure was on our generation to go to college from our parents' generation, and we're straddled with all of this debt as a result of this, but then our, you know, our siblings are not going to be going to college as much as our generation is because they see how much of a financial burden it is put on all of no. us as a result of that. Franny um, is going to either state school or she's going to become electri an electrician. That's my, uh, <laughs> that's, that's my plan for her. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, as somebody who went and got both of his degrees from state schools, um, and has zero debt, but my husband has a lot of debt. Uh, we can, I can tell you who is the happier person in this house uh, every single month. Uh, Carla, let's talk about the weather because it is it is wild. Seattle and Portland could get a rare white Christmas. That thanks to another weather a weather pattern that's bringing much needed precipitation to the West Coast. Most of the country, though, looking at a mild and relatively pleasant holiday weekend, continuing the odd uh, December weather that we've seen throughout much of the country. Chicago, interestingly, has not seen any measurable snow this season and is on pace to break the record for most consecutive days without any snowfall. And we've even seen temperatures here in the Northeast get back down to cooler temperatures, given the fact that just a week or so ago, Carlo, I was walking around Manhattan in my Speedo because it was in the 60s, basically. <laughs> I think that's where you got your uh, COVID exposure. That's right? where I got COVID. Uh, yes, yeah, that was the exposure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The good news, though, if you're one of the 100 million Americans hitting the road for this holiday, gas prices down 10 cents from Thanksgiving, according to uh, AAA. Gas Buddies counting 36 cities where a gallon of regular is down a quarter from a month ago. 12 states where the average is back below $3 a gallon. Uh, the decline, of course, is not uniform. Prices at the pump have barely budged in the West Coast. States like California haven't really benefited from this decline. The average in that state is still $4.66. But I think it's important, right? The media made a big deal when gas prices spiked um, and we should make an equally big deal when they're starting to come down as they are. And by the way, just on that note, you know, that we, we again in the media made this sort of big thing about how like, oh, Christmas is going to be a disaster this year. And it may very well is going to be for other reasons. But we were saying like, oh, the supply chain crisis is really going to hit. It, that hasn't happened, right? Everyone more or less. Things are getting myself, delivered on time. Except for, yeah, things are getting delivered on time. Store shelves are relatively full. It hasn't been this big crisis that I think a lot of people were expecting. So we should just we, we should note that. Yeah, and, and we should also, last thing I'll say on this, travel still interesting. The amount of people who are still going out traveling this year, still incredibly high. AAA expecting about 109 million Americans will travel either by car or by plane for the holidays through uh, Christmas and New Year's. About 9 to 10 million of that will be uh, through air travel. Uh, and TSA is still saying they're checking through about 2 million Americans uh, through their checkpoints every day. So Omicron has actually not tapped down or tamps mm -hmm. down any of that travel demand. Uh, let's talk about some cool stuff happening in outer space because NASA going to launch uh, their largest and most powerful space telescope ever built that's happening on Christmas Day. The James Webb Telescope is intended to be the successor to the Hubble Telescope, which has been snapping awe-inspiring pics of the universe since 1990. But the web, much more complex and even 100 times more powerful, Carlo, it'll be able to capture images of the outer reaches of the solar system in far greater detail 
than anything that's ever been seen before. We should also say this uh, this was delayed in terms of the launch of getting this mm. telescope out. I think it was supposed to be either today or tomorrow is originally supposed to go out. But now it's basically getting pushed to Christmas Day. But either way, incredibly exciting news. It is. And if you follow any astronomers on social media, they're all freaking out about this, um, they're, it, about just hoping that this launch goes well. Um, you know, they have to get this thing on its way to its location, which is one million miles uh, from the Earth. And they have to do that while keeping all of these delicate instruments cold and protected from the sun's rays. Um, and because the web is headed so far out into outer space, you're not they, they can't really like fix it. Right. There's no tune up options. So any glitch, anything that goes wrong in the launch, or once it's out there, it basically renders this $10 billion piece of equipment just a giant piece of junk, um, you know, floating in space. That's why I think everybody in, in this industry, in this sort of like space world is really, uh, you know, a nervous wreck about this thing. Um, but it is it, this is going to be great. This is going to be really cool. Hubble has taken some of the most, in my opinion, some of the most insane photographs yep. ever, including including uh, a couple. One, the Pillars of the Universe, which is a, an amazing photo. You should Google if you're not familiar with it. And also this deep field image that the Hubble took um, a while back of this region of the sky. It's amazing. It's, it's a region of the sky that looked completely empty to the naked eye, right? Just blackness. Um, and then what the Hubble was able to do was, you know, using this like deep deep field technology, they revealed this little pocket of black sky to be teeming with thousands of unknown galaxies. It's just, you you look at this photo and you're just like, how could you possibly look at this photo and think that we're the only, you know, life in the universe, right? It's so mind bending. Um, and these photos that this, that this new uh, telescope is going to be able to take are going to be miles beyond even that. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be really cool. I, I, and I hope that this launch goes uh, according to plan. And there's been so many updates that are happening right now with space, not just the Hubble telescope, not just what Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson are doing, but also the ISS is also getting a big update as well. So lots of, of new updates happening when it comes to space. OK, let's do a little more to know and then we'll do a little love hate eight. All right. President Biden did an interview with ABC's David Muir last night, Carlo. The president says he plans on running again in 2024, but that his health will determine his decision on whether or not he does it. He did say, though, if a former President Trump were to run, that would make him more likely to seek reelection as a result of that. I don't know if I'm going to be able to mentally handle the two of these guys running for president against each other again. <laughs> I think uh, I, <laughs> I actually my theory is that it's going to be uh, neither of them on the ticket. So remind me about that Very in possible. a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, the Supreme Court is going to hold a special session on January 7th to weigh the challenges to uh, two of the Biden administration's policies covering these vaccine mandates, these requirements for millions of workers, policies that affect large employers and healthcare workers will be decided by the Supreme Court. And that will happen now uh, starting on January 7th. Yeah, all eyes obviously going to be not just on John Roberts, but on Brett Kavanaugh in that case as well. Meanwhile, a famous statue at the University of Hong Kong marking the Tiananmen Square massacre has now been removed. Hong Kong has been the only place in China where people could openly commemorate that event. But now that Beijing has effectively taken control of that city, Carlo, no more, as that's why that statue is now gone. It's really it's so sad what's happening in Hong Kong. So it's sad. really um it really is. And what that, an that's such an incredible city, city too, which is so sad. 
Yeah, I, I never got to go when I was in China, but um, I wish that I had in retrospect. Uh, meanwhile, Amazon Web Services, uh, this time yesterday, suffering its third outage in a month after a power hit at a Virginia data center, took down big swaths of the internet for hours yesterday morning. If you get our newsletter, you may have noticed it was three hours late yesterday. Don't blame me. This was all AWS. Uh, this latest outage just raising more questions about the backbone of the modern internet, um, which remember, back in the day, you know, the internet, the whole point of the internet was that it was sort of like this fundamentally decentralized network, right? Uh, and it has now become so heavily consolidated among a handful of these cloud providers that and all of them are susceptible to these single points of failure. And it's uh, it's really become sort of concerning just given how much of the economy now, you know, is digital. Well, or relies on making sure that Amazon Web Services or Microsoft Azure's cloud services mm -hmm. are working, Carlo, because as you correctly mentioned, when that's down, how many companies that impacts as a result of that, which is huge. Um, meanwhile, James Franco has finally spoken after years uh, at length about the Me Too allegations that were first made back against him in 2018. The actor admitted uh, to Jess Cagle on SiriusXM that he slept with his students in his former acting class and that he's been in treatment for sex addiction since he got sober. Uh, he said he's been sober for, for many, many, many years, but that the sex addiction uh, basically took over his alcohol addiction. So he was able to basically have this sex addiction even though he was sober here. I thought it was also notable that he said that he's speaking out now because he's sick of his brother. Uh, I believe his brother's name is uh, Dave Franco and uh, yes, Seth Rogen, Dave. his former collaborator. He says he's sick of them having to keep answering, um, keep answering questions about him. So that's why he decided uh, to to reveal that. And uh, in sports, so it's a mess in college football. The play, the college football playoff, responding to this Omicron surge with a new protocol that will allow a team to advance to the national championship if their opponent in the semifinals has to forfeit. So if a team is in the tie game and they can't play and they can't reschedule that game within a couple days the opposing team will be declared national champions and if no team can appear in the final there just will not be a national champion whatsoever meanwhile texas a&m they have just been riddled with covid they've uh, forfeited their position in the uh, gator bowl and now um, i believe rutgers may be yes, taking their place. rutgers surprisingly taking their place so that is a, a big surprise especially if you're with your rutgers and then all yeah. of a sudden you're going to the gator bowl which by the way <laughs> i always love the, the bowl names on a lot of these games there's like forever there was like the Beefo Brady Bowl. There's a Jimmy Kimmel like Las Vegas Bowl this year. The Gator Bowl this year uh, sponsored by Tax Slayer, <laughs> which I think is interesting. The Tostitos Bowl. I want to always, I always like oh, that Oh, it's one. no longer uh, Tostitos, by the way. It is now the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl now, which oh, is interesting. Oh, Lord. <laughs> okay, let's do a little Love 8-8 before we uh, go on our way for Christmas, Baker. I will start. One thing that we love, making somebody else wrap the presents this year um, <laughs> or, or every year in my case. Uh, the best part about being married is just not having to wrap presents, um, which is a yep. task that I think that I am genetically predisposed to being Same. just literally Same. unable to do. Um, I simply cannot wrap a present, even if it's like a shoebox and somebody cuts the wrapping <laughs> paper for me. I can't do it. I put a gun to my head. I will not be able to wrap that box. I, uh, and Becky I, happens to be great at it. So it really, it's a perfect, uh, it's a perfect, you know, thing in, in our marriage here. We have the same situation in our house, Carlo. Um, Jared is exceptionally better at wrapping presents here. I'm going to move over for a second. If you could see, there's all these presents <laughs> under a tree, all wrapped by Jared. For the whole, my whole life, I've always sort of budgeted 
paying somebody to wrap my gifts yeah. forever. <laughs> so, so, but unfortunately this year, I wasn't able to basically get anything wrapped. So Jared's had to wrap his own gifts this year, which is funny. <laughs> Um, meanwhile, Carlo, what we hate, oh yeah, we talk about this all the time. Yeah, the Omicron variant of the no, uh, the novel coronavirus really isn't feeling so novel anymore, <laughs> is it? Because it's pretty much everywhere at this point, Carlo, and it's just continuing to sink every part of our day all the time. I agree. I hate the coronavirus so much, and I cannot wait to never think about this thing again. Um, and finally, uh, one thing that we ate, seven fishes, baby. I say it every year. It's oh, the I best meal of the fishes. year. Yes, it I is. I know. The, fe the, the Feast of the Seven Fishes, it's, a, it's an Italian tradition. I don't know if anybody else out there uh, celebrates it uh, or, or does it. I think a lot of non-Italians even do it just because it's so good. Um, so hopefully... God willing, I will be enjoying and 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 feeding Franny some seafood uh, tomorrow Ooh, night. Yeah. Do you, you do well, it on Christmas Eve, see. right? Because I've I've we always traditionally Eve, yeah. with yeah with my mom. She always did the seven fishes on Christmas Eve. Since it's just me and my husband this year, uh, maybe we're having shrimp cocktail as part of our, our seven mm. fishes oh, this yeah. year, That's which part will of be it. interesting. Yes, <laughs> that counts. Yes, and you know if you if you don't celebrate. Get some, go get some Chinese food, right? Nothing like Chinese yes, food on amen. Christmas. That's also amen. another great tradition. Okay, guys, that's what you need to know for Thursday, December 23rd. Enjoy the long weekend. Be safe. Merry Christmas, everybody. Baker and I will see you next week.